We're closing out a long series, uh, two parts. We talked for seven chapters about an undefeated king, and then we introduced to you uh, an unconquered covenant, the new covenant of his grace. And we've walked you through the entire book of Hebrews. If you're just visiting tonight, you'll just catch the end of this, but you can catch the rest of it on our app or on our website uh, for a short time if you need to get caught up. But it's been a powerful time. And when you know who you are in Christ and when you know the life that he's called you to and you know what he's put on the inside of you, powerful things begin to happen. Somebody say amen. And uh, I, I'm excited about the new covenant. I'm excited about all that God has called us to do. Last week, uh, we dealt with the first seven verses of Hebrews chapter 13. And the, our Native American friends, they had a tribe called the Way. And they took their theology, if you will, from this one chapter, Hebrews 13. And there are so many rich truths in this chapter that I believe will set you free tonight and that will give you joy. Last week we talked about unity and how that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he is the centerpiece, the key to unity. And we've got to have that in church. You know, I was raised in church, and, and if you're raised in church, you have one perspective. Somebody say amen. My perspective is from the inside out. Everybody understand that? Pretty simple. Inside out. I was raised in church, so my perspective is always going to be uh, from the perspective of an insider. Where many of you, your perspective, unless you were raised like I was, your perspective is that of the outsider. So if I don't listen to you and you don't listen to me, we're never going to be in unity, amen? Because you see things in a way that I've never had the privilege to see things. But on that same side, I see things in a way that many of you have never had the ability to see because of my perspective. You have to get to know people's perspectives and their stories if you're going to truly make a difference in their lives. Uh, a lot of times the struggle for unity is that we get so caught up uh, with tunnel vision. What's important to us? I try to explain the church as a tree, Jesus Christ being the root, and there are many branches. And sometimes people are only focused on their branch, and, and there's many branches. Somebody say amen. And we've all got to work and flow together. But I want to talk to you about freedom tonight. There is a promise of freedom in these closing verses. There's a promise. And, you know, the unconquered covenant of grace uh, is not just about having the ability to walk in the favor of God. It's not just about a second or third chance. It's understanding the true meaning of freedom. Amen? It's not a freedom to go live how you want. You had that in, uh, under the old covenant. It is a freedom to live life to the fullest. Somebody say amen. It's a freedom to know who you are in Christ and have the ability to look on the inside of other people and give them life through the power of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. It's the freedom to not have to adapt to the opinions and the cultures of other people. You're an individual. You're an ambassador, Paul would say in 2 Corinthians. You represent that other dimension. You represent the homeland. You have gifts that God gave you. You have a measure of faith God has given you to be stirred up for his glory. Isn't that good news? There's a promise. We're in a shaking in the church, not just our local church, but the church, the global church. We're in a shaking in our nation. The body of Christ is groaning and shaking like I've never seen it before as long as I've been alive. We're shaking and we're longing for something new. People are starting uh, spiritual fires and, and people are, are moving to wilderness movements and they're moving to, to certain movements because people are all wanting to get back to intimacy with God. 
and I'm for whatever it takes to get you intimate with the Father, amen? Whatever movement, whatever style, whatever kind of song you need to download to get intimacy with the Father, I'm for it, amen? It doesn't even have to be my style because God wants intimacy with you. But there, there are things changing. Weather patterns are changing. We've had storms and fires like we've never seen them before. We've got missiles pointing at us from North Korea. Our country's in a, in a crazy dynamic right now, fighting against ISIS and all these things. We talk about living in a free country of the United States. And no matter where you've been around the world uh, or, or what you think of this country, it's still the greatest nation on the face of the earth. I've traveled enough to know that we are blessed still to live in the United States of America. But we call ourselves a free country, but psychological disorders are at an all-time high. Prescription medication and, and, and mood stabilizers are being prescribed like they've never been prescribed before. So are we really free? Because freedom's not just about the country you live in or the belief system you hold. It's about your mind. It's about your soul. It's about your spirit, man. Are you truly walking in the freedom that God has for you? This is what it says in Isaiah 28, beginning with verse 16. Behold, I lay in Zion a stone for a foundation, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not act hastily, also, I will make justice the measuring line and righteousness the plummet. The hail will sweep away the refuge of lies and the waters will overflow the hiding place. Your covenant with death will be annulled and your agreement with Sheol will not stand. When the overflowing scourge passes through, then you will be trampled down by it. Ah, but there's a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. His name is Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Here's what our text says. Do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. Strange doctrines and teachings. Do not be carried away by the, the, the ideology that there's many ways to God. There's not. There's one way. Do not be carried away by the theology that you can work your way into heaven. It's not so. It's by grace you've been saved. Do not be carried away by ideology that sin is okay, that the Bible's outdated. Do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. It is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace. Isn't that a good word, grace? John and Selah got me on that today, so you're going to get to overflow. Selah wants me to preach on grace all January next year. I think I may do it. I could preach on it all year. Church needs to hear it. It says strengthened by grace. How, do you, how, do you, how does one become strengthened by, by grace? Let me tell you about Authentic grace. When you've truly been touched by God and when you've received the grace of God, you'll automatically give grace to others. If you can't give grace to other people, then it's possible you've never truly experienced authentic grace. And there's two kinds of people that need grace. One, sinners. 
We can all agree on that. Two, religious people. Religious people need grace. Because religious people often think that they, they don't need grace and because of that thought, they're in pride and they need it more than anybody. We need grace, unmerited, undeserved favor. It said it's good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace, not by eating ceremonial foods. Everybody say religion. Which is of no benefit to those who do so. We have an altar from which those who minister at the tabernacle have no right to eat. The high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering, but the bodies are burned outside the camp. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make people holy through his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. How many of you know that heavenly Jerusalem is coming? That Jesus is coming back for his church, amen? He's coming back for those who have experienced and who walk in authentic grace, who have been strengthened by grace. Is anybody excited about the fact that he's not leaving us orphans, amen? That Abba's coming back in the form of his son Jesus for his church, his bride, his people. I don't know about you tonight, but I'm excited about that. Then it says, through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. Man, it's a sacrifice when you've been working all week to come on a Wednesday night and just throw your hands up and praise God. It's a sacrifice to praise God in the midst of a storm. It's a sacrifice to praise God when you don't feel like it. It's a sacrifice to praise God when you feel like he's abandoned you. It's a sacrifice to praise God when you are facing circumstances that you did not deserve. Ah, oh, but there's a blessing in store for those who do. The fruit of the lips that openly profess his name and do not forget to do good and to share with others. For with such sacrifices God is pleased. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you or over your soul, it says in other translation, as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. Pray for us. We are sure that we have a clear conscience and desire to live honorably in every way. I particularly urge you to pray so that I may be restored to you soon. As I said months and months ago when we began this journey, I believe Paul's the author here, and I believe he wanted to be restored to his people that had uh, been victimized and that, that had been challenged and had their faith tested. But there's some truths I want to release to you in the atmosphere tonight, and then we're going to do some ministry. The first thing we learn from this text is the truth of God's word will set you free. Do not be carried away by strange doctrines. If you understand the truth of God's word, the theology, the basic tenets of the theology of God's grace, his love and his mercy, if you understand God's word, it will set you free. It will set you free. Now, not just reading it. You've got to apply God's truth to your life. You've got to allow God's spirit to come off those pages into your heart and bring about change in your life. The truth of God's word will set you free. I believe preaching can do it. I believe the power of the Holy Spirit always moves and does it. But I'm telling you, getting alone with God in your secret place, in your Psalms 91 place, and truly diving into his word will set you free. It will set you free. My, um, one of my family members was an alcoholic, and, and um, the way he was able to beat that, he would say, was he memorized scriptures. 
And every time he had an urge to drink liquor, he, he, he would quote those scriptures to beat that addiction. And, and many others ha, have used God's word as a sword to do battle with the enemy, but as a way to help them overcome their own personal struggles. We're all born in sin, is what the Bible tells us in Romans. We're all bent towards a life we shouldn't live, but it's because of His grace, amen, and His word and our willingness to die to ourselves that we can be made alive again with Christ. That's what the gospel is. And that gospel, friend, will set people free. That gospel is not just for you to come and listen to on a Sunday and Wednesday and cheer the person who's preaching it on. That gospel is for you to take outside these walls and share with somebody who needs it. You don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to go to seminary to simply tell somebody that Jesus loves them and that can set them free. That's all you have to do. Let somebody know that God loves them. You may do that through a cold cup of water. You may do it through a Starbucks. You may do it through a hug. You may do it through actually showing them what the Bible says. But however you choose to show the love of Christ, understand that the gospel will set them free. It will set you free. Number two, the triumph of God's Son will keep you free. The triumph of God's Son will keep us free. We have an altar from those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned outside the camp. We taught you earlier in this series that Jesus Christ is now our great high priest. That now the altar to, to where we serve is at his feet in intimacy. That the sacrifice was already made for us on Calvary. So we don't have to earn our way into heaven. Somebody say amen. We have a great high priest. His name is Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, the one that brings the old and the new together for his glory. That's what it means to mediate something. He brings both together and fulfills them because of the sacrifice of Christ. Therefore, let us go forth to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach, for here we have no continuing city, but we seek the one to come. We have a promise now, a promise of another comforter, amen? The promise of the Holy Spirit and the promise of a return by our great high priest that Jesus Christ is coming back and that his body where we are to tarry until he gets here is the local church. It's the body of Christ. It's you and I. And that's good news. But we've got to take responsibility for that call. So right here it says, first the cross is a better altar than the one before. Somebody say amen. Everything with Jesus is always going to be better. How many of you understand that, that something new is always exciting. There's a new covenant. It's, it's exciting. And it says it's a better altar. The camp was outside the religious system. Do you understand the life Jesus lived was outside the religious system? How do you think the Pharisees thought when he's hanging out with prostitutes, sinners, pimps, tax collectors, and people of different races, women that have been married five times? The religious establishment didn't know what to do. His whole ministry was outside the camp which teaches us to have freedom to think and to be who he's called us to be. And then he was crucified outside the city gates. I was there in February with Governor Huckabee. He was crucified outside the camp. His whole life took place outside the religious system. What does that mean? That means God's calling you to do something outside the system. Outside the system. Let me define system. Because a lot of people are talking about system. And let me tell you, the local church is not necessarily a system. 
Just because you're in a local church and you pay your tithes and you believe God for great days ahead doesn't mean you're a part of some system, okay? There can be demonic systems. There can be negative things. Uh, but just because you support a local church and, and you're a part of the body of Christ, believing that Jesus is coming back, you're part of a generational movement of God, doesn't mean you're a part of a system. When you're a part of a system is when the system has you instead of Jesus. If you're more concerned with the system than you are with Jesus, you might be controlled by denominational leaders or, or some kind of denominational mindset. You may be a product of a system. But if you have the freedom in Jesus Christ and support your local church and believe in the grace of God, then you are not a part of the system. You are set free. Somebody say amen. You know, whatever systems you've been delivered from, glory be to God. But a lot of times what people do is they trade one system for another. They go from one legalistic church into some other legalistic atmosphere because it's louder, it's more powerful, or whatever it may be, or the music's different, or they're able to get along with God better, or whatever, but they trade one system for another system. So they bounce from system to system, chasing the Holy Spirit, when my conviction is you don't have to chase God. He's here. He lives on the inside of you. If it's the last message I preach, it'll be to understand the power of God that lives on the inside of you. That's why I asked Sam at the last minute to sing In Christ Alone because I believe that that song, that classic, tells us about the power of God. There's the power of God that lives in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. If you understand what you have on the inside of you, you won't have to chase things. Chase movements and chase this and chase that. There'll be the godly contentment described by Paul in knowing who you are in Christ and knowing what he's called you to do and doing it. Now, I believe everybody needs a season of intimacy and repentance and godly sorrow. But eventually, you've got to get off your, I'm not going to say it, Fanny. Thanks, John. I was going to say blessed assurance. Uh, that's what my pops always said. But you got to get off your hind end and you got to go to work for the kingdom of God. And it won't feel like work. It'll feel like purpose. Somebody say amen. Your purpose is not hard work. It, it, it'll work you more hours than your job. It'll keep you up longer than your day job. But your purpose brings you joy. The camp was outside the religious system. The communion, the cross, the camp, and the communion, the communion was about seeking, serving, and sacrificing. That's what the tabernacle is about. I've preached every element of that before to you. Seeking, serving, sacrificing. The triumph of God's Son will keep us free. The truth of God's Word will set you free, but knowing who you are in Christ will keep you free. You won't have to chase movement. Somebody say amen. Don't get caught up chasing movements. Chase God. Chase God. Number three. The tithe we give to God will make others free. Now y'all think I'm talking about money. And it certainly does apply. I'm not going to deny that one bit. But that's not really what we're talking about in this text. Therefore by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God, that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name, but do not forget to do good. 
So you're giving your sacrifice of praise. It's coming forth from your lips. You're praising God. You got your praise on. You might be window washing like Mama T does or finger pointing like I do or however you get down or laying down or whatever you do. I don't care as long as you're having your time with God. But in the midst of this, while you're offering the sacrifice of praise, the tithe, when you're giving praise to God, it says give thanks to his name, but, but while you're doing that, don't forget to do good and to share. Isn't that interesting right there? Don't get so caught up in your worship you're not helping anybody. You're not sharing with anybody. You're not serving anybody. You're not sacrificing. You're not seeking. Don't get so caught up in the seeking that you're not willing to serve. See, a, a missional church is one that serves. And that's where I believe God's taking us. The tithe we give God will make others free. David said, I will not offer to God that which costs me nothing. We've got to offer something to the Lord. And it's going to cost us something. Number four, the trust in God's leaders will keep your conscience free. Obey those, which really means submit to those who rule over you. Be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. Here's the good news about the gospel of grace. You don't have to answer for the things I do. You got to answer for the things you do. God's called you as a part of the body to submit and allow yourselves to be led. I'm held accountable. I promise you, you're getting a better deal. I'm held accountable for how I lead and your actions. You're only held accountable for you, but leaders are held accountable for all of it. And so I need all of your prayers. Our staff, we need your prayers. We need you to pray for us. We need you to believe. But it says we have to give an account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief. For that would be unprofitable for you. I can't tell you enough what it has meant over the years. Watching God's people who, who, who love, who serve faithfully, who never gripe or complain, who never get stirred up by drama, who just serve the Lord, who love God's people, who love God's leaders, who serve and believe, and who are steadfast and steady, man. Those people have changed my life. I've watched them give life to my parents over the years, and many of you are part of that club, and I thank you. Because you'll never understand the difference that you make by just doing what this verse says. By just allowing yourselves to be led and trusting God and trusting your leadership till they give you a reason not to. You know, it's amazing. My, my father says, you know, I, I'm, you know, a couple years ago he said, I've been pastoring there almost 40 years. I still don't think I have 100% support. <laughs> and that's funny. He said it jokingly, but there's some truth to that, you know. We've got to be in unity. And we've got to embrace the freedom God has for us. But I'm not trying to to lead a cult and have control over your mind, soul, and body, but there's a respectful submission that can take place in God's church when you respect those he's placed in authority over your lives, and it'll keep your conscience free. Listen, if you're trusting the plan God's predestined for your life, then you, you don't have to answer for the mistakes of the people above you. You just have to serve them. 
Look at David and Saul. He served him. He was out of his mind, but he served him until it was his time. And God blessed him for it. God will bless you for staying under authority. Finally tonight, the glory of God will help you remember that you are free. That's why we're always calling you into his glory, that doxa. That's when heaven's light radiates into your soul and reflects off your soul into the lives of other people. That's what the word glory means. Doxa. His glory will help you remember that you're free. Now, we're not trying to get you to just dance and sing and choreograph something when we're leading you in worship. We're wanting you to get in his glory. Because we know when you get in his glory, you'll start remembering the things he's done for you. The times when he pulled you out of the mess. The time he saved you. The time he filled you with the spirit. The time he healed your child. The time he mended your relationships or saved your marriage or got you off drugs or whatever it may be. Or blessed your business. You'll start to remember the things God's done for you when you get in his glory. Man, if all we do is get in his glory when we come here, it'll be all right. If all we do is have a time of remembrance in his glory... It'll be all right. And then the benediction. And I've closed countless crusades with these few verses because I just like them. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with every good Thing for doing his will and may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ to him be glory forever and ever amen let's leave that up there if we can guys verse 20 and verse 21 this is my prayer over you tonight that the God of peace who through the blood of the eternal covenant that unconquered covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus the great shepherd of the sheep equip you with everything good for doing his will. With everything good. Everything that you need to do his will. Everything that you need to accomplish what God's called you to accomplish. I pray that God will equip you with that. And that he will work in you what is pleasing to him through his son Jesus Christ. That's my prayer of you. There's promise in the person of Jesus Christ. If you have him on the inside of you, you're holding on to a promise. It's a promise of his person and everything that 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 person has to offer you love, forgiveness, acceptance, provision, access, all of those things you can find through the person of God. There's a promise of provision. Listen, he promises to take care of those who call upon his name. He will supply all of our needs according to what? His riches and glory. There's a promise of not only his person, there's a promise of provision. God will provide for all of your needs according to his riches of glory. There's a promise of power. It said you will be endued with power from on high. There's the power of his Holy Spirit that comes that when the enemy rears his head against you, you'll know how to fight. You'll know how to put on the armor of God. There's a power in you that causes you to want to fulfill the purpose God's placed on your life. Oh, and there's a promise for those that praise his name. When you offer that sacrifice of praise, something shifts and the glory falls. I believe that glory wants to fall tonight. Bow your head and close your eyes. I want to start ministering to you. I'm going to ask Brian to come, and we're going to get in the flow tonight. With every head bowed and every eye closed, the first thing we want to do is give you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. 
If you don't know who Jesus is, the Bible says he was a friend of sinners, that he came as the fulfillment of every Hebrew prophecy, that he came for the underdogs, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, was crucified, died and was buried on the third day, rose again. And he gave us a promise that he'd come back for his people. He left us with his power and his provision and his person through the Holy Spirit. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. So if you've drifted in here tonight, and I know this is our faithful crowd, and you don't know Jesus, I want you to pray this prayer with me. If you're watching online, listening on podcasts, you don't know Jesus is your Savior, just pray this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus. That's right, Lord Jesus. Lord, forgive me of my sins. Lord, forgive me of my sins. Lord, please come into my life. Save me. Please come into my life. Save me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. That's right. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And use me for your glory. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you prayed that prayer, I'd love to meet you tonight or Sunday morning. I'd love for you to come say, hey, man, I prayed to receive Christ. I want to get baptized. Will you pray for me? But many of you are faithful. And what you need tonight is an impartation of freedom. Galatians 6, freedom. You need to be restored to the fellowship. You need the power and the provision of God on your life. And you need to learn to walk in that freedom. And tonight I want to lay hands on you in these few moments we have. And I want to pray for God to heal you, to feel you, to touch you, to shift you, so that you'll walk in the freedom that God has for you. I don't want you to live under condemnation. The Bible says, therefore, there's now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. I don't want you to live guilty. I don't want you to live miserable. I don't want you to live religious. I don't want to, you to live a seeker life where all you do is jump from movement to movement trying to find a God that lives on the inside of you. Just embrace who He is, all of who He is now. And allow Him to fill you up. Would you stand on your feet tonight? I'm going to pray. If you need ministry, you come and we'll lay hands on you tonight. Heavenly Father, move in this place like only you can move. Do what only you can do. Lord, if people need to be healed, Lord, I declare healing in the atmosphere. Lord, if people need to be filled, I, I declare the power of your Holy Spirit available for everybody. Lord, if people need to be touched and shifted towards freedom, Lord, I pray in these few minutes they'd come as we worship you. And Father, maybe they don't need any of that, but maybe they haven't offered the sacrifice of praise that you've called us to in your word. Lord, I pray in these few moments, Lord, they'd offer that sacrifice of praise. Maybe they didn't have the strength when they got here, but Lord, they feel it now. They feel your spirit now, and they're going to worship you now like they should have when they got here. Would you worship him? If you need ministry, you come.